Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be back here again and such an honor to be trusted to be up here with this family. And I love what God is doing here. Every time I come here, I'm so encouraged by just what God is doing here and in, in the community through your church. You guys are really being the church, being light in darkness in this community. And it is such a gift and such an encouragement. And I want to talk today about confident hope. And I think of you, when I think of confident hope, you, your family, the Kaiser family just comes to mind. You guys have done such an incredible job of holding hope in trials. And I just, I learn from you constantly. And I know I'm not the only one who I just am amazed by um, what God is doing in your life in this season and how I get to benefit just by being a friend of yours in that. And I just, I love you guys. And um, thank you for the way you live out your faith because it impacts, I know me and the rest of, of all of us. Um, but let's pray together for the word. God, we just thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are a good Father, that you desire to speak, that you desire to um, reveal truth to our hearts, to our minds. And God, we ask that you would do just that. Would you open up the eyes of our hearts? God, would you give us revelation? Would you move? God, we love you, we thank you, we anticipate your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wanna ask a question to start, a question for reflection. And so I want you to think about this for a second. You don't have to say it out loud, but just think about it. How is your hope, personally? How is your hope? What are you hoping in or for? Last year, I felt like God spoke something to my heart. Um, it felt like a kind invitation, but it was just three words. And it was simply, agree with me. This invitation to agree with him. I was reading Psalms 23, verse one. I was sitting at my kitchen table, and Psalms 23, verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And you think you're agreeing with God. You think you believe it until he invites you to believe what you already believe. <laughs> and then you're like, oh. <laughs> Maybe I'm not fully believing, because there's a difference between knowing in your head and knowing in your heart, right? I can say I believe this, but what am I living my life like, right? To believe something in my heart, like where my whole life comes into alignment with this truth and I'm living it out in my life. And that next year, I feel like this whole last year, God's been showing me the gaps between my head and my heart and my life, because he desires us to live out in our lives the truths that he has spoken. Right? There's promises that he has spoken to us and our actions reveal our beliefs. And what we believe directly impacts our hope. Right? What, we're, what we're actually believing impacts our hope. Oh, I'm gonna give you permission real quick. If I am saying a scripture and it's not up here, you can just give me a little hand because sometimes I get off my slides. I, I won't be distracted by it, I'll just. Um, but I heard somebody say once, hope is anticipating the goodness of God. So when I was asking you, like, how is your hope? 
Like, are you anticipating? When you wake up in the morning, are you anticipating the goodness of God over that area of your life, over your whole life? Are you anticipating the goodness of God? I believe, and this is my premise for today, that we can have confident hope when we base our life on the promises of God. And God has given us promises that we can take him at. Um, There was that song this morning, oh, it was like the second, what is it? The goodness of God. All the songs were actually great. It was that one, it was the one before that. Um, The same God, the same God, where it says, you're the God of Abraham, you're the God of Isaac, like you're the God of David. And when we look at his faithfulness, and we say, you're the same God, like you're good for your word. So we're gonna look at a passage in 2 Corinthians, if you wanna follow along, chapter one, verse 20 through 22, this is in the NIV. And this is Paul speaking here. Paul says this, for no matter how many promises, so God makes us promises, I wanna pause real quick, God makes us promises. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I remember my dad would say like, hey, we're gonna you know, get ice cream tomorrow, and I'd be like, promise me that. And he was not a fool, so he would never promise me, because he, he doesn't know what tomorrow holds. There could be a tornado tomorrow, and then I'm like, but you promised, right? Like every child, like we have the best memories when we're little, right? We can always remember when you promise something. And so he would never, he would never say, I promise. But our Father, who's perfect, he has made us promises. That's kind of mind-blowing, because he expects us to take him at his word, to, to agree with him, to, to believe them. So no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing what is to come. And anytime we read scripture, we want to ask, what's the context? Who's writing this? Why are they writing it? This is Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth, the church he planted. He wrote two books. So in 1 Corinthians, at the end of it, he talked about wanting to come visit. Um, you know, I'm planning to come visit you. Um, he had these good intentions to visit. And you know, we give our plans to God, right? His plans changed, and they're writing back and forth. And it seems like the church is a little frustrated by his plans um, changing, because at the The subtitle of this in the NIV, this section, actually says Paul's change of plans. So we see that there was a little bit of a change of plans. And so right before this, if we back up a little bit, a few verses, Paul's defending himself going, because they're upset that he changed his plans. And he's going, hey, I wasn't fickle when I changed my plans. I wasn't like yes and no. And, And also, God doesn't change. He's making the point that maybe his plans changed, but God is faithful He doesn't change. He's the only one that we can completely and fully trust in and depend on no matter what. When he says something, it's yes and amen. Numbers, ooh, it's off the screen. It's it's Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? In a world where it feels like, like, who do you trust? Like every, every news station, everything seems compromised, right? You're like, who do I trust? God is completely trustworthy. They were disappointed in Paul's change of plans, but God doesn't disappoint, right? He's completely trustworthy. So if we go back and we look at this, just verse 20, 
where it says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and the amen is spoken by who? By us. What does that mean? That means that we get to partner with God in his promises. He can make promises all day long, but if we don't say amen, amen means I agree. Amen means so be it, I agree. I come into alignment with my entire life with this promise. I believe it. So we get to say amen by us to the glory of God. And when I hear that, excuse me, when I hear that, the first thing I think of is the gospel. That, that God has spoken a yes in Christ and the amen is spoken by us. I think of Jesus, right? Like there's this unreserved yes spoken. John 3, 16, it says it was for everybody, right? God so loved the world that, that he sent Jesus, right? And then, but it's, we also get to say amen to that, to receive the gift of grace that he gave on the cross. So it's he's spoken a yes, and then we respond by saying amen. I agree, I receive your free gift of grace. There's this beautiful partnership that we have with the Father. He goes on to say in the next verse, 21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And I love this because in the context, they're kind of giving Paul a little pushback because it's like, hey, you said you were coming at this time and you didn't, and he's saying, hey, I stand before God. It's God who anointed us, you and me. And also, side note, you have the spirit of God in you. You're anointed. We don't think about that every day. You, have an, like, you are anointed, and he set his seal of ownership on us. You are sealed by the Father. That's for every believer. And you have a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And I think we have to stop and actually recognize when he says he put his spirit in our hearts. I don't think we always live in the reality that we are empowered and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Like wake up in the morning and go, I'm empowered and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. To face everything that I'm facing today, I have the Holy Spirit empowering and indwelling. That is a reality that I think we could do to like stop and just recall and say yes and amen. And also we have a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I don't know how you feel about your retirement plan. <laughs> Mine's not awesome. I probably should have started planning earlier. That's what, that's what the guy told me, at least. <laughs> he was like, yeah, there's a gap. I'm like, okay. Um, but my eternity looks amazing, right? Like, I, I am secure. This earth, this world is not secure, and, that, and that's fine because I'm not looking for my security here. My eternity is secure. I have a deposit guaranteeing what is to come from the only one who can actually promise me anything, right? from the Father, who is completely trustworthy. But there's promises all over scripture, and I wanna give one like side note for promises. We have to be a little careful, because people, there's a few errors, probably more than a few, but I'll mention two errors that are made with promises, and one is we try to take God at promises he didn't make, or that aren't for us, they're out of context. Um, or we think he said something that he didn't, and there's just disappointment and frustration birthed in that place, or, there's all these promises that he made, but we're wanting him to say something else, so we're not actually taking him at the things in his word that he has already spoken, and he wants us to believe him for. And so there's three promises today that I wanna talk about that if we base our life on, wait, oh no. 
I lost control. Is it, is it dead? Oh, oops. Okay, we're back. There we go. Okay, three promises. Here we are. Thanks for your patience. Um, to build our lives on. That when we, when we build our life on these three things, I believe it changes everything. And my caveat is this. I don't think these are going to be brand new ideas for you. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not new ideas for you. But my challenge is that we ask God to give us greater revelation. I think most of our Christian faith is growing in revelation of basic truths, right? It's not like I need these brand new ideas. It's like I need to like believe this in my DNA. I need this to sink so deep that, I, that when everything else falls away, I, I truly trust that this is so true. It lives out in my life. And so asking God, hey, would you reveal any places where there's gaps in me, like he's been doing for me this year? So the first one is this. God loves you. God loves you. I know it's not rocket science. I'm sure you're like, God loves you, but he loves you more than you could ever fathom. Like we hear this, but there's a knowledge in the head, but there's revelation in the heart that comes by an impartation of the Holy Spirit. You can't read it in a book. You can't, like it is the Holy Spirit that's gonna give greater revelation to this. But Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated. He demonstrated his love in this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, meaning that at your very worst, like for a second, think about that moment that you're not proud of that maybe nobody knows about, right? We all have our low moments. In that very moment, Jesus said, for this one, I will give my life. It was in that moment. It wasn't like when you cleaned up your act. It was in that moment. His love doesn't change, right? He is consistent in his love. He doesn't change. I think that there's this thing in me, this belief that I feel, I feel I'll just say, I feel like I must be easier to love for God now that I'm serving in ministry. And I'm imperfect still, but like 15 years ago, I was in addiction is my story. So like, I'm like, I must be easier to love now, surely, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel said, while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And it's so hard to wrap our minds around, but he loves you because he is love. He loves you, and nothing can separate you from that love. Romans 8 says, 8.38 says, for I am convinced, this is Paul, same guy speaking. Paul says this, I am convinced. Are you convinced? I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what does it look like? What does it look like to actually agree with God? To, to more than just say like, okay, I, I hear what you're saying and I've heard that before. How do we agree with God? I have a neighbor who is, um, she's Catholic by culture, I would say. So like she grew up Catholic, but she doesn't, she has no faith. But her family's very, they're from Mexico. So like that's like their culture, cultural heritage. We were talking one day about somehow religion came up. She's talking about Catholic religion, and um, it just opened this door. I've been friends for a long time, but it opened a door to share the gospel. So I was sharing with her about how it's not religion, it's relationship. Like, and Jesus changes your heart, so then all of a sudden your desires change. It's not just following rules. Like, you actually, the things in your heart that you want to do, they shift when you have a new heart, when you've surrendered to Jesus. I'm explaining this to her, 
And I said, and I know she has a good relationship with her husband. So I just said, well, why, why don't you cheat on your husband? And she said, well, because I love him. Oh, oh, why don't they just say that? <laughs> like all of a sudden, she realized that it was this, it was because of love and not because of just rules that we change, right? And so I think sometimes when we're struggling with, in our walk to surrender with obedience, um, it's less about trying harder and more about having a revelation of his love. Because when we understand that he really, really, it's in love that he's saying let go, or in love that he's saying come follow, or the things that he's asked us to do, it's a lot easier when we believe his love for us. Obedience and surrender are born from love. When we understand his love, so we have to ask God, can you give me a greater revelation of your love, right? Have you ever, have you ever been in love? Just think about it for a second. You ever been in love in like those first few weeks or months, there's like those stages where that's all you think about, that person? Um, and I, I remember there was a time I was on church staff. I was dating this guy and I hadn't told some of the staff about it. And the youth director walks up to me one day and he says, Heidi, who is it? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, who is the guy? And I was so embarrassed. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I can see it all over your face. And I was like, oh my goodness. But it changes your countenance. Love does, right? Have you ever known a friend who you're like, something's different? Like you can just see it on their face, that the, the giving and receiving of love. The Father loves you so much. And when we haven't, when it hasn't actually um, been received by our face, <laughs> changed our countenance, I would ask the question, is there more there? He's always wanting to reveal more of his love. There's never an end to the love that he wants to reveal. It changes your countenance. Your default becomes joy. So, so what does it look like to say amen? I would say, to say amen, I agree with you. And this is that no matter, when I don't understand the situation, when the prayer remains unanswered, I can still trust that his love is at the helm, right? And despite any varying emotions, because it doesn't always feel, like our feelings are very fickle, I don't always feel his love, I can still trust that he loves me. When I believe he loves me and that what is going before me is his love, I can have confident hope. I can actually anticipate the goodness of God. Why? Because his love goes before me. The next one is this, God is with you. God is with you. In scripture we see this pairing all throughout scripture where we see this um, command not to fear um, always paired with this fear not, why? God is with you. It's his presence that dismantles fear. Constantly his presence dismantles fear. In Psalms 23, 23, four, we see this. David says, even though, even though, I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It doesn't say, hey, if I walk through. It's like this assumption, like there are gonna be valleys. There will be valleys. <laughs> but even though I walk through these valleys, because you are with me, I will fear no evil. It's his presence that dismantles fear. In Deuteronomy 31, six says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid, for he goes with you. How often are we actually aware 
and stop and go, I know you're with me right now. I don't even have to ask you to be with me. I can just pause and just come into awareness that you are with me, that that's one of your promises. Four years ago, my dad passed away, and this last July was like, I think the four-year anniversary, and we were on a family vacation, um, and so we were sitting around a fire, just doing it, like, let's share stories about dad time, right? And my sister said something that really struck me, and she said, and, and she's really, um, yeah, she doesn't always share from the heart like this, too, so it was really profound to me, but she said, you know, dad was the kind of guy that you could be in the middle of a tornado, but if he was there, you knew it was gonna be okay. I thought, wow, like, that's the tangible experience of his presence dismantles fear. And I was very blessed to have a dad like that. Not, not everybody had that experience with a father, or, but maybe you had it with somebody, somebody who in your life, when they're there, you're like, it feels like things will be okay. Or you, or you haven't had that with somebody, and, and you're looking to say, how can I experience that with God, who doesn't feel tangibly near, right? Sometimes we struggle with that, like, because we can't see him in the flesh, like I want a flesh person to be my covering, but God is saying, I am with you. We just have to acknowledge his presence and say, God, I know that you are with me. And he wants to reveal that to us. And so in those places we can ask God, show me, show me that you're with me now because he wants to, he desires to. Even in the verse we talked about earlier in, the, in Corinthians, it says he put it spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He's with us. He's also in us. That's, that's truth. Um, I work with families who work with kids who experience hard things, who've experienced trauma, and one of the things that we teach in the parenting classes is about, it's called co-regulation. It's like when a child has experienced something hard or like is dysregulated or overwhelmed, um, what they need is a non-anxious presence somebody who's calm, a calm nervous system in front of them, um, so that they can calm down. They can, that actually is what co-regulates. It's how God made us to regulate like that. Um, but I believe it's no coincidence that God said, for us, he is what dismantles fear. It's that co-regulation, right? When his presence is his calm, non-anxious presence, Jesus was never anxious, right? Like he's the most calm, non-anxious presence with us when we acknowledge that. It calms our nervous system. I was in a, a car accident a couple weeks ago, just two weeks ago on Friday, and I've been in car accidents before, before years ago. I have a good driver record now, but I'll say 10 years ago, I've, I've totaled a few cars, so I've been in my share of accidents, but none like this. I, I feel like, and nobody got hurt. It was definitely God's, when you see God's covering on something, I was driving up to Truckee with a couple friends and we're driving, you know when somebody's in your blind spot? Like I was driving, they're here, I was merging over and um, I didn't see them. And so I went over and I tapped them on the freeway. We went sideways, my car actually ended up rolling five times. I only know five times because there were some teenage boys who watched and they informed me because they counted. <laughs> they were like, you rolled five to six times. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Um, we landed sideways. There was a guy from Colorado, he's a fireman, who was on vacation behind us, who happened to pull right over and help us. It happened to be under the Weimar overpass where there was a fire station. It was just a miracle that we all got out okay. Like, everybody was amazed that nobody was hurt, just minor bruises. It was literally the grace and protection of God. Um, but then, like three or four days later, somebody from church was so kind, let me borrow a car. 
but I was getting on the freeway, and I don't know if you've had a bad accident and then driven on the freeway after, <laughs> but I'm getting on the freeway, and I'm like, dun, dun, dun. As soon as I, like, get on the on-ramp, my heart rate went to, like, just, it just accelerated, and my palms are sweaty, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I can get back on the freeway again, and I was just feeling all of the things, and immediately, and I've been praying through this message, so immediately I'm like, okay, God, you are with me. You're, and I started just breathing deep and just acknowledging God's presence in the car with me, and what that did, it dismantled the fear. If I was to focus on, okay, don't fear, fear not, fear not, and just quote, I could quote all the fear verses and, or focus on the fear, um, I don't know how helpful that would have been. What I needed to focus on was the reality that God was still with me. He was with me then, he was with me now, and I was able to get on the freeway, um, and now I'm able to, I drove here today. <laughs> um, and God is so kind in that, but he, he wants to, in, in every moment, for us to acknowledge his presence so he can dismantle fear. The next one is this. God has good plans for you. Not just plans, he has good plans for you. Anxiety is at an all-time high. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it's, anxiety has increased significantly in our culture. Um, Barna Group just did a study, 40% of young adults are struggling with anxiety. That's almost half of our young adults who are really struggling with anxiety. I looked up the definition, I'm a words person, so like, I'm always looking up definitions, but the definition of anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So it's basically, we carry tomorrow's burdens today. It's something in the future that I don't have control of, and I don't know how it's gonna turn out. That makes us very anxious, right? I think we all can relate to that on some levels. But while we don't know what the future holds, we can start with the first two. I know that God loves me and that he's with me. A lot of times anxiety, we're picturing our future without God, right? I'm picturing this thing tomorrow, but I'm not picturing it with God. I'm picturing it in my own strength. And I'm very afraid because I know that I can't do it. I can't do it alone, for sure. I need God to step in with me. Romans 8:28. Paul, again, says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And it's important to note that Paul did not have an easy life. Paul was not like sipping a pina colada like on a beach, writing this. Paul was imprisoned. Paul was beaten. Paul had a lot of, like, Paul had hardship. So from a place of hardship, Paul is pinning this, and he is saying, and we know, and we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we know that he's at work. You can wake up and say, I know he's at work, and he means it for good. We don't always, it's the timing and the ways, and we don't always understand or see those things, but we know that he's at work. I think COVID, when things shut down, like, I think it kind of wired our brains to anticipate with dread. Like the news, and then like, are people losing their jobs? Are people gonna be okay? And we kind of waited for the other shoe to drop. Like in that year, there was also, we don't need to go back there, but there's wildfires, there's right, like it kind of was like one thing after the other. And so I think I felt that in myself. Like you're kind of afraid to hope, right? Cause then you're like, it's just kind of, you just get crushed. <laughs> you're like, and crush my heart. Like it felt like dangerous. Hope felt dangerous. 
in that season. I saw this meme. I don't know if you guys like memes. Can you, see, can you guys read that from there? As Emily saw it. <laughs> okay. It says, therapist, what do we say when life disappoints us? And the person says, called it. Because <laughs> it's like this idea that we anticipate life disappointing us, right? We expect life to be hard. Like, we don't even expect anything good to work out. And I think so often, that's, it's the opposite of hope, but it's so often where we live. Like, we expect this. Hope is anticipating the goodness of God, right? It's anticipating the goodness of God. But one last thing about that he has good plans for us is that we have to also remember that God isn't just about our comfort, right? He's about our conformity. Like Romans 8 also says that we're predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. We're, we're made to be more like Jesus. And in those hardships, we're also formed. He's still at work and he means it for good and he's with us and he loves us, but we have this idea, I think especially in America, that it's about our comfort. And, that's, and he's not, like our comfort, our comfort here is not his primary agenda, um, but he's good, and he's making us more like him. He has a greater view. I heard somebody say once, I have learned to thank God in the good and the bad, because the reality is I don't know the difference. Because we don't see, like here's, God sees this, we see this, right? I'm not God, and I have to admit that I'm not God. He sees all the things. That's why in the Bible it says, give thanks in all things. Not for all things, I don't have to say thinking for, the, I can, but in all things, I can give thanks. Because I don't see the big picture, and I know that he's at work, and he means it for good, and I know that he loves me. And I know that from that place, I can have incredible and lasting hope. But when I find that I'm not completely agreeing with all these things, like there's some gaps, what do I do? When I find that there's gaps in my heart, and I say this, I think we have this invitation to repent of whatever the lie is that we're believing. Like if I'm not, repent just means to change my thinking. It's this invitation to turn back to God, to say, God, forgive me for not trusting you with my tomorrow. Forgive me for worrying. Forgive me for not believing your love for me. For, forgive me, because in order to believe truth, I first have to like remove the lie. I can't just, that's why it's hard sometimes. We're like, I, I feel like for 20 years I've been trying to believe this, but I haven't yet repented of not believing it. We have to own where we are. We have to start where we are to get where we wanna go, right? So we just, there's no condemnation. That's why receive God's grace is number two. He already knows where we are and he loves you and, and there's no condemnation. So we just receive God's grace. He's so good and, and he wants us to turn and say, I just don't trust you in this. And he says, I know, let's do this together. It's an invitation. And then remind yourself of the truth. That's how we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We just have to say, what is true? Is that he loves me, he's with me, he has good plans for me. Whatever the scriptures are, we would remind ourselves, put it on your mirror, write it on a note card, say it out loud. That's why I love worship. Worship is just speaking with your mouth the truth of the word of God. There's, there's something about it that shifts something in the atmosphere, spiritually and in our hearts, right? We have to remind ourselves of the truth because the world is telling a different story and we're out there a lot, right? And so we have to remind ourselves of the truth. The most powerful preacher that you're ever gonna hear is you. 
Because you're always, like 24-7, you're in your head, right? Like you're hearing yourself, you wake up in the morning, who do you hear? Like you're hearing yourself. And so whether you're speaking truth or lies to yourself, oh, this is what's gonna happen, oh, this is what, it matters. What you say, David preached to himself, right? In the Psalms, he said, why my soul are you downcast? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He preached to his own soul. Every day we're preaching a, a gospel, a type of, to ourselves. What are we preaching? We get to preach truth to ourselves and it changes everything. We get to agree with God. Now those three things, those three truths are, are the things that I feel like the last year God has been really, they're really simple, but that's what God has been telling me. Hey, can you agree with me in this? I love you, I'm with you, and I have a good plan. Like wanting to take that into a deeper place in my heart, like a place of um, where it's lived out completely in my life without reservation. But maybe for you, there's another promise that he's saying like, hey, there's, the Bible's full of them. Open the word and you'll be confronted constantly with God's good truth for you. But I have a few here that I'm gonna read through and as I'm reading them, ask the Holy Spirit and let him prompt you if this is for you, if this is something that you need to take home and wrestle with, okay? The first one is this, like maybe, you, oh, it says when you feel, when you feel weak, and you're saying like, I just don't think I have what, this, what, what the world is requiring of me right now, I don't have it. And he's saying my grace is sufficient. We've heard that, but do you believe it, right? I'm not just saying put this on a coffee cup, I'm saying does your life reflect that you live in this truth? Somebody that knows you would say they completely believe that, I believe this, because that's the invitation of the abundant life. That's what Jesus died for, you can live in this. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Or maybe you feel like you don't have what it takes. And he wants you to know that the one who is in you that we talked about earlier, you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, right? That he's greater than the one that's in the world. 1 John 4.4 says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Or maybe you struggle with anxiety and you're like, I wake up every morning and I just feel overwhelmed. And you need to hear Jesus saying this from John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Or maybe it's hard to believe that you're fully forgiven for your past that Jesus wiped everything out at the cross. I need to hear him say, you're completely forgiven, that there's no condemnation. Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that it's finished at the cross, you are fully forgiven. He looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus. He holds nothing. Again, like that, that last song we sung, nothing but the blood of Jesus, that song never gets old. I think we should sing that every Sunday. I was looking at the words and I was just like, yes, that truth, not my righteousness, it's not my righteousness, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? To live, to live into that. Or maybe you've struggled with something for years and you've been in the church but you've been had this secret thing you struggled with and you're like, it's a cycle and I don't see a way out. And he's saying, hey, that God will finish this work in you, it's his work. And he, he doesn't run around with incomplete projects, right? Like he finishes what he starts. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. 
When Jesus came, he came saying, repent and believe, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe, the kingdom of heaven is near. And I, and I think that's, that's our invitation to the kingdom, but I also believe that's our invitation every day. Like when we look into the word and I see things in my life that aren't quite in alignment with, with that complete truth that he said, I get to just simply, simply repent and believe because the kingdom of heaven is near. And so that's my challenge for us this week is ask the Holy Spirit, is there any place in my life where there's a little bit of unbelief about a promise that, like I know it here and I could tell it and I tell it to my friends and I say the thing God loves you or he's with you or I could tell myself, but I don't actually live it out. There's more. He has more and he wants to give you greater revelation. And so inviting him into that place because I believe this is where confident hope is born. When we agree with him, God, you've said it. And I'm gonna come into complete agreement. He's already spoken a yes over these things, right? He said yes. And then we get to say, amen. Yes, amen. That's our invitation. So pray with me. Father, we just thank you. God, thank you that you've spoken a yes over us. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the ultimate yes over our lives. God, we stand in awe of you, of who you are. God, that you make us promises even is astounding. Jesus, help us to take you at your word. God, help us to see the places in our life that you want us to have um, greater revelation and understanding and Holy Spirit. We trust you to do that work in us. We trust you to form us and conform us into your image. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. And if there's anybody here who doesn't, who has not yet committed their life fully to Jesus and trusted him completely for your salvation, if that's you, if you pray this prayer with me, Jesus, I believe that you gave your life on a cross for me. I confess that I have sinned and I, I receive your grace freely and I desire to live my life for you by your grace. I thank you for loving me completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. One last thing. If you're a regular, you know that we are journeying through the book of Acts together. Next week, we pick it up at Acts 2.42. In your Bible, it'll probably say the early church or the early church gathers or the fellowship, etc. It's a really cool, exciting text. So if you'd like to prepare your mind and prepare your heart, let me encourage you to be reading that through a few times this week. Look in your study notes, if you have study notes, and ask the Lord to open up your heart to what God's going to be doing in our midst for six or seven weeks as we move through the next portion of Acts. Love you guys so much. Have a great week. Go make Jesus famous.